When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's the one thing all great teams have in common? Great coaching. Try to suck up to me, Evelyn. I'm Gordon Bombay, the new hockey coach. All right, let's go! Learn me! Come on! 14 USA, gathered from all across America. And we're going to stick together. You know why? Because we are ducks, and ducks fly together. It's the Quack Attack Podcast. Hey, everybody. First look is free. Next five minutes are a buck each. I'm Mike. That's Tommy. What's up, everyone? That's Kevin. Hey, y'all. We got a good one today, folks. Joining us on the phone is Mr. Aaron Schwartz. You know, you probably know him as Dave Carp. He's been in a bunch of other stuff. Heavyweights, Pete and Pete. Uh, Guardians of the Galaxy 2 coming up. Aaron, thanks for being here. Appreciate it. Hey, thanks for having me. I like the uh, opening uh, quote. Oh, thank you. That's it's great. it's one that, of his best ones. Is that a normal ones. thing, or do you do that specially for me? It's a normal thing. It has varying degrees of success, though. <laughs> yeah, That's some... amazing. That's my line in the movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sometimes the quotes uh, aren't as relevant as uh, we found out last week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, if you look at that, that, that quote like out of context, it could be misconstrued as many things. So. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh... <laughs> All right. So... I want to go kind of way back. So you were 10 years old when you got the Mighty Ducks, correct? Correct. How do you even get into acting old. at an age that young? You know, it's funny. Like, I um, I didn't have a stage mom at all. I, was, I literally just wanted to act, and I went and did it. I saw my brother in a play when I was six, I think, and... I had like, uh, there was a kid in my kindergarten named Richie who was obsessed with the song La Bamba. And so I started learning the song La Bamba. Next thing I know, I, I see my brother in a play and I go, I want to do that. And the first audition I had, I ended up singing La Bamba and then booked this theater and dance group called Tada when I was like six years old. Um, and I just, after that, I just remember looking, I was, I remember when I booked it, first audition I've ever had for like a little theater group. I booked it immediately, and I first thought I had when I was six, I remember thinking, okay, I could do this. As a six-year-old, I was like, I'm going to do this. You know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be an actor. And so I uh, ended up, you know, bugging my mom, being like, you know, I want to do this. I want to do this. And, I, you know, in the streets of – anytime I saw somebody filming something, I would go bother them. Like Anthony LaPaglia and, uh, and Michael Keaton were filming One Good Cop when I was like seven or eight years old. And I'm like, I need to be a movie star. How do I do it? And – he literally, uh, Michael Keaton and Anthony Pavia both uh, sat down and wrote out like a big uh, list for me of what to do. And I just abided by that list and did a couple of, uh, you know, NYU student films and then went in for the Ducks and got got the job. And that was it. Wow. <laughs> that is a, that is a that fascinating story. story. I tried to make that in a nutshell. I mean, there's a whole lot more, but I hope I put it all in like a little box and tied it up for you guys. Yeah. That was the, that was the way I did it. Just what were some of the things on the list? Oh, um, I mean, it's you know, acting. When you think of it, it's, it's when you like the process to get things is really it's a long haul. It's tedious, you know. And you know, as a six-year-old, I was a seven-year-old. I was like, it's okay, I'll do it. Like, I, there was nothing, I, nothing stopping me. There was like um, 
Get the Backstage, which is a newspaper uh, that has castings and, you know, uh, get a headshot. First thing was like, get a headshot. Uh, do student films. Uh, and the way you get student films is to, you know, first get a headshot, send it out, and then go and go do student films and do stuff for free and like create a resume, build up a resume. Once you get that, then try to get into agencies. Once you get an agency, then they, then things take care of themselves, kind of. As a kid, they definitely take care of themselves. And then that was pretty much the, the process. I, w- I wonder if it was really tough for like Michael Keaton not to throw in something really fake, like make sure you speak with a Russian accent in every audition you go in or something ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. Maybe he did. And later on in life, I used it. I don't know. I did play a Russian character in <laughs> for a couple of seasons. But yeah, Michael Keaton, uh, I actually, I was bartending uh, years ago uh, in the interim of, uh, you know, because this business is, you know, one day you're working, next day you're not. And sometimes you have to, you know, pay the bills. And I was bartending. It was like, right before Gossip Girl, and I saw Michael Keaton and came into the bar, and I told him the story, and, and he was like, I totally remember that, and it was this whole, like, cool little, like, you know, come full circle kind of thing. So, it was pretty, it's a, it's a cool little story. Yeah, yeah. So, what were your parents' reactions when you started getting, like, the Mighty Ducks and heavyweights and all that kind of stuff? Um, my mom was, so my mom and dad were separated, so my dad grew up in like a religious community and at first he's now he's completely supportive he's loving it but um in the beginning he was kind of like i don't know if this is a good idea you know like he felt like there i was you know he grew up jewish uh, in judaism there was a very jewish family that he grew up in and he kind of like looked at it kind of like maybe this is straying from you know moral code in life i think he kind of felt that way in the beginning my mom was like let's go for it he was like you want to do this let's do it and you know i mean Throughout the years, my dad ended up, he ended up uh, following suit. He's very, very, very supportive now. So They love it. They love it. They love every minute of it. So just at 10 years old, what did you have to do to kind of land the role as Carp uh, in the Mighty Ducks? <laughs> you know, I, rem- I, I literally remember the audition. And I, never, I didn't, maybe I've always had this thing. I didn't think I did very good. I, I, I very well. I don't think I did very well. I think I kind of like, kind of, you know, just kind of said the lines. And just, I, I didn't know what I was doing. I was 10 years old. I, I knew I wanted to be an actor, but I was just like, well, I don't know. And I think, uh, I don't know. I think I just did the part for what they wanted. Maybe I had the little sarcastic thing to me at that, at that age. I think I kind of did. And I think they kind of liked that, like, you know, a little tough, sarcastic, you know, chubby kid. And they were like, let's, this guy's perfect. Who knows? You know, it's a lot, a lot of luck involved. There's definitely getting into the room is not luck. You know, a lot of work. But once you're there, it's a lot of luck. So do you think they perfect, you know, purposely wrote that line for Carp? You know, do you know what sarcasm is after uh, after seeing your audition? I think so. I, I think I think they might have changed a couple of lines uh, for for my character for sure. I think they did that with a lot of people. You know, uh, Sean Weiss who plays Goldberg and Goalie. They definitely. Mm-hmm. They definitely, you know, he's a ge- comedic genius, and they definitely changed up a lot of his lines just to kind of, I think he probably wrote half of his lines just by ad-libbing. So, <laughs> yeah, it was a loose environment. We kind of just did whatever, you know, and they just, you know, if it didn't work, then they didn't do it. They didn't keep it, and if it did, then they kept it in there. It was fun. A bunch of kids having fun. It was a great set. And so was the character of Carp always supposed to be kind of like uh, like a dumb, chubby kid, or was that... <laughs> Yeah, well, I mean, I think <laughs> maybe I brought some. Uh, maybe I brought some of that to it. I don't know. 
But uh, yeah, I think because he was kind of written, kind of written as kind of like you know like the like the kind of like little bully, but he he wanted to be the bully, but he could never. He was never big enough to be the bully. Kind of you know he yeah. was always being bullied, but he wanted to be one of the bullies. Kind of that character. I think they kind of wrote it. They had that comedic relief to it. So I think that was definitely intentional from the get go. So what what was your favorite uh I guess part of playing Carp uh kind of favorite aspect of him? Ah, what it was Well, you know, if I remember now that I'm looking back on it, I could tell you my favorite part was cuz I saw it recently not too long ago some screening that they had and I thought and I thought what was hilarious about it is that every uh every scene almost with Emilio, they put me next to him. <laughs> I had a lot of screen time with Emilio and I didn't realize that at the time, you know, but it's like, if I, I wasn't on the ice a lot and at the time as a kid, I was like, Oh man, I'm not on the ice in this scene either. Oh, I'm not on the ice in this scene. Like I'm never going to be in this movie. And literally when I'm not on the ice, I'm always like on the right or left side of Emilio. So I, I kind of like that. I was, you know, always hanging out with him. I think I annoyed him a little bit. I, I was very, very, I'm, <laughs> He wrote, like, they, they had, like, a script that they, uh, at the end of the production, everybody signed a script, and he signed, uh, stop hitting me on the script, <laughs> because I, every time I talked to him, it was, like, the kid, like, telling their mom or their dad, like, hey, listen to me, look at me, look at me. That's what I was doing the whole time, and I, <laughs> guy's a, guy was a great guy, because he definitely, <laughs> he definitely, uh, dealt with that for a good four months, so, getting that. So at 10 years old, you had to be one of the younger guys on the set. Uh, were there any sort of, uh, I guess, downfalls to being that young? Did you have to deal with any sort of yeah. like hazing or anything like that? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I was actually I just hung out with, uh, with Sean Weiss, who plays the goalie. Uh, and we talked about the whole, like, there was something, they created something called, now looking back, it's a little sad, but I kind of, you know, I, I, I took it. I took it. It was, uh, they called, they called them carpisms. So when I went on that set of the, my, of the, of heavyweights, mm-hmm. I realized that they, they created a thing called carpisms where it's like, if something was said and it didn't make any sense or if it was kind of like, <laughs> you know, I would try to tell jokes. Everybody was so funny and I was young and I didn't really understand like a lot of the jokes. And so I would like try to tell a joke and it totally like missed did not hit at all. It was not funny <laughs> at all. And so they called anytime somebody would be like, they would be like, da, 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 and like no laugh, no laughter would come out. They'd be like, they'd go, Oh, there was a carpism right there. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I definitely got a, definitely got it a little bit on the set. All right. So we've been on this quest, um, to find the original Adam Banks. Now we know there was a kid before Vinny LaRusso who played Adam Banks. He was kicked off. We are unsure. Oh, kind how do you know about that? Oh, I mean, we've talked to some people. We're great detectives. <laughs> yeah. So and so, who is it? What's the guy's name? Exactly. Well, that's that's what we're trying to find out, and that's part of the reason you're here to help <laughs> us fill in the gaps. Well, I will not divulge that information because if that guy is still acting or still trying to act, I don't want to be the jerk that goes, "It was this guy," <laughs> and then all of a sudden. I'm going to get a phone call from his agent uh, threatening to sue me. So I'm going to, I'm going to stay away from it. But uh, at the time, I could tell you that he was uh, a difficult human being to work with. And I think that's one of the reasons they kind of uh, let him go. I think he kind of made a fuss a little bit. Yeah. I think he got producer credit. So I'll give you that hint. 
Oh, he got producer credit. Like so even I though think, he was kicked off. I think off? that's what happened. I think I think they uh, they gave him producer credit because there was a stink made by him and his mother. I think, and I think he got producer credit. But that's all I'm going to give you guys. Interesting. You know, you yeah. know they say so you there's, know, there's a little there's a little uh, little there's a little Easter egg for you. You know, they say like no publicity is bad publicity. So this could actually do wonders for his career. <laughs> yeah. And maybe, yeah. Maybe I'm helping him out. Who knows? I'm anticipating in a year we're doing some kind of like E! True Hollywood. You know, how Aaron Schwartz right. resurrected the like career this of this guy. Call made this guy's career. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So uh, you get Mighty Ducks. You get Pete and Pete. You get Heavyweights not long after that. Uh, do you, did you feel like, like a big time star in that early nineties when you were like 11, 12, 13 years old? I don't, you know, I don't remember feeling that way. Maybe I did. I mean, you know, when you're a kid and you get like quite a bit of success, I'm sure there's, you know, I'm sure your head blows up a little bit, but I don't remember being like, feeling like I was a big time star. I remember one time standing in front of a poster of heavyweights at a bus stop Mm -hmm. going to school. I was at a bus stop going to school, standing in front of the poster, and like I look to the left, and there's like a group of kids, and they just like turn around, and they look at the poster, and they look at me, and it was this moment, and there was like everybody's face, everybody's jaws like hit the floor. I remember that was like a cool moment, and you know, getting recognized is always fun, but I, don't, I never really felt, you know, famous. At most, I always felt like, okay, what's my next job? Mm-hmm. I think I always had that kind of thing behind, like that fire behind me, like, okay, what's my next job? Until I hit around 16, 17, and I was like, I'm going to take a break. And I ended up taking a break for like a good, almost 10 years. So just what did you kind of do in that break, and how did you kind of come back out of it and kind of restart your whole career? I went to Israel uh, first. I went to Israel to visit my brother. He was learning out there. Uh, he decided to go the religious route and learn in Israel and do the whole thing. And I went to go visit him. and. I definitely didn't stay the religious route. I went and had a little bit of fun out there in the beginning. Um, and, uh, you know, came back, went back to Israel again, ended up staying there until I was around 21, 20. And then I came back and I uh, decided to get into marketing, uh, got into a advertisement, advertising company, uh, started making pretty decent money, started, you know, creating a career for myself. And I think I around 24, 25, I was like, I can't do this anymore. I need to uh, I need to get back into acting. I think the bug, you know, got got to me again, mm-hmm. um, and I just decided to you know quit that and like started waiting tables or bartending somewhere just so I can like you know make money doing that and, and be able to audition and get an agent and do the whole thing. And uh, I ended up meeting. I'll tell you uh, the big turning point for me was I met this girl at the time, and uh, we ended up going out for years. Uh, she kind of was like, you know, you say you're an actor, but you're not really like. I wasn't really doing what I did as a kid, like kind of hustling and pushing myself out there. Mm-hmm. And she kind of like lit the fire under me. And, you know, I went out and booked Gossip Girl within the next year. <laughs> wow. And signed an agent, a manager, booked Gossip Girl, and then the rest of the history it kept on going. Just how tough was it to come back after that whole, that like decade-long hiatus? It's, it's tough, you know? I mean, if it was like maybe two, three years later, people could go, oh, I recognize you. Yeah, this, you know. But 10 years later, I first of all, I lost a lot of weight. I looked completely different. I was a different type of like mm. market for than I was when I was younger. And, you know, the business changed over 10 years. The same people were not in business anymore. Or the producers that were smaller or bigger and 
the producers are, are smaller now. We're never we're non-existent, so it's, it was it was tough. I had to you know I really had to start from square one, like pretty much almost the same as I did when I was six seven years old. I had to do the same thing over again. And yeah, your resume has got me through the door here and there, but it really didn't. It, it took the hustle to get me you know to get my first job again. Did you have any connections from uh, from the Mighty Ducks or or heavyweights or anything that kind of helped you break back in? I did not really. You know, I had the connection. I don't really think. I think I was kind of like hesitant to use them. Maybe I was banking on them for later. I don't know why I didn't try to like give people a call up and say, "Hey, can I? Uh, can you guys get me here or there?" But I think I think I needed to get to the ground level first. I really needed to get like an agent and a manager and get to, get to, like you know the basics done first before I even decided to you know go do that. So yeah, I didn't. I didn't really use that. I think that my resume kind of got me into rooms in my like second comeback kind of got me into rooms quicker than I would have if I was just a newcomer without a resume. So I think that definitely the resume helped me. And when I got out to LA not too long ago, Jordan Kerner, who's the producer of, uh, of the ducks, he definitely hooked me up out here as well. So I definitely used that later on, but that was already when I had, you know, recent credits and I was already working. So I didn't really use it when I first got back into it. And so like nowadays and uh, when you, know, you said you, you had that stuff on your resume, would people ever look at you and say like, no way you're that same, you know, little 10 year old chubby fat kid or whatever. <laughs> like you seriously, yeah, you were carp and you were in I heavyweights. Think, yeah, they did that. In the beginning they were like, what? There's no way. But I think recently I decided, like I was really like, I really paid attention. I really tried hard to let, to connect the two. There was a lot of like press about like, where are they now? And, you know, mm-hmm. a lot of stuff came out and I really wanted to make sure that that got out so that people could connect me as a child to what I look like now, as opposed to being like, who is this guy? So I think it's starting to get, I think the buzz is starting to get out there of like that I was then and this is how I am now. And it's starting to, you know, people are starting to make the connection and I've been seeing a lot of stuff online now. I'm starting to make connections, but it took, it took a long time for that to happen for sure. Um, you mentioned you look completely different. I don't think that can be uh, understated enough. You went from this like pudgy kid all the way to this uh, very kind of good-looking man. <laughs> when did that change well, happen? Thank you. <laughs> uh, I, you know, I think maybe when I was like, I think, I mean, genetics. Thank you, mom and dad. <laughs> I think they helped me out. But I mean, also, I think I was, you know, I think I was like 16, 17, and I was like. I don't want to be chubby anymore, you know? Like, I like girls. I was looking at girls. I was like, I don't think this girl's going to look at me the same way. And, you know, definitely helps when you're, you know, a movie star. You know, it doesn't matter really. But, like, you know, when I was 16, 17, people didn't re- really recognize me as much anymore. And I couldn't be the fat kid if I wanted to, you know, go out on date. So I think that was definitely a, a driving force. And then, uh, yeah, then it just happened. I don't know. <laughs> Yeah. Vanity, vanity yeah. happened. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the mirror. <laughs> uh, I guess we backing up a little bit. We missed part of the journey here. Now, left off of D two, does uh, what kind of happen there? Yeah. So, so like you said earlier, uh, I was one of the younger ones. It was me. I was one of the younger ones. Jesse Smollett, 
now in Empire. He's very, very famous. But Jesse Smollett was one of the uh, younger ones as well. Um, Danny Tamborelli, who's from Little Pete and Pete and Pete, he was one of the younger ones as well. And uh, I think they wanted to make they wanted to make the transition from uh, kids to young adults seamless. You know, they kind of wanted to go from D1 and to like have D2 and D3 kind of like make them real quickly and within two years have them you know be in high school. And I, I think we just looked we just looked way too young for that to work out. So they kind of they kind of they needed they needed kids that could play older. Mm-hmm. Does anybody that's tell? How that yeah. Does anybody tell you Sorry? like, hey, you're not going to be in D two, or does it just kind of go on without you and you learn? Yeah, later? they were very sweet about it. Yeah. Yeah, they definitely called. They called me up, and you know, they said we're really sorry. It was it was heartbreaking. You know, you're a little kid, and you're like, oh my god, this was. And you know, Mighty Ducks was definitely. Uh, it was like a family. Mm-hmm. So it's like you know, we knew part two was being written. We were all ready to go, and it was disappointing for sure. It's one of those heartbreaking Hollywood moments. But at the same time, they were very sweet about it. And you know, I'm still in contact with Jordan Kerner from years ago, and he's like one of the sweetest. Like you know, the whole idea of like everybody in Hollywood has to be like a shyster, and they have to like you know you know, undermine everybody and like, you know, kind of, it's not, not true at all. Like this is probably one of the nicest human beings in the world, Jordan Kerner. And it's, you know, it was, he made it very easy and he made it very painless to go through something like that. And heavyweights happened very soon after. So I was, you know, I wasn't sulking for too long. Um, one thing about heavyweights, and this is something I've always kind of been curious about at movies is, you know, it's obviously geared toward, Oh, it's a fat camp. When you hear about this audition, hey, we want to, you know, audition for this role. By the way, it's Fat Camp, and it's a bunch of, you know, chubby little kids. Does that ever, like, plan, like, being self-conscious, or is it something, hey, I don't want to um, you know, go that route, or have you seen a lot of that? Yeah, I, there was, I, I remember there being, like, the little, like, thought in my mind. You know, it's so long ago, I can't really remember exactly how it affected me, but I mean... I could tell, like, I could tell you that after production and when it came out, I had no problem with that because it was like, you know, that's what got me out there. You know, I, my, me being chubby got me out, you know, and I got to play the lead, which was great. And I didn't have a problem, but I think I remember, yeah, it was a little, you know, people ask me, what was it about? Oh, it's about a fat camp. You know, there's a little bit of embarrassment going on, but it was such an empowering movie. It wasn't like written about being a bunch of fat kids. It was written about like what, how you how they you know how you can come out of that and you know whatever stigma you have you can kind of rise out of it you know steve brill who wrote mighty ducks and he wrote it with judd apatow he wrote heavyweights judd apatow his all his movies you see the way he writes them it's very like you know the ducks thing like you know mm-hmm. you know they're down and out but they these these you know these schlubs these kids come from nowhere become heroes same thing with heavyweights you had that kind of running theme and i think that's what made them so popular it was like you know People still come up to me today and say to me, like, you know, that made my, like, my childhood with heavyweights. It made me feel so. I was a chubby kid, and it made me like, you know, feel great. And so I think there was a feeling of that when you're on set that really, you know, took away any type of uh, negativity from it, any type of uh, self doubt from, you know, being on a fat camp. Was making heavyweights anywhere near as fun as it looked? Like it was like with the blob yeah. and all that. Was it just a blast? It was. I'll tell you right now. Same thing with the ducks. It was just like a group of kids having a good time, uh, you know. And you know, 
I don't know if you know this, but, you know, Jed Apatow was part of the production, and that guy is probably one of the funnest human beings in the world. And, you know, they're, they're a bunch of kids, you know, and he was a guy, when he was 27, I think, when he did that, 28. So he was like, a, you know, he was a little kid. There was a bunch of little kids just making, you know, making movies with a bunch of other little kids. And, yeah, it was – I don't think they really knew what they were doing at the time, but it worked, and we all had – we all had a blast. Yeah, it was the best time. Best time of, of the child's life, I think, you could have it to be on a set like that. How is it now? Like, you mentioned you saw Mighty Ducks recently. I'm sure you've seen Heavyweights beyond when it came out. Just how is it kind of later on looking at yourself when you were this little chubby fat kid? <laughs> it's interesting. I definitely, you know, I find myself judging acting first thing i do is because i'm you know i'm uh and then i go what am i what are you doing you're like you know 13 years old and i kind of look at it through the you know a 13 year old's perspective and go okay that was good you know i you know, kind of give myself that of the doubt and i definitely judge myself watching it but at the same time i also look at it and go man this was like i could see why people you know it, it was the, the way it was written the camaraderie between the kids it was it was pretty epic it's fun to watch and i you know i definitely find myself if I watch it too much, going like, okay, I can't watch this anymore. It's like, you know, it's, little, it's hard to watch myself in general, even if I'm, you know, even if I was only 13, it's a little separate. It's still, still really hard for me to watch myself because I immediately judge everything. So, but it's great. It's great to watch. I have fun. I love watching, you know, the way that every other little kid, the memories, I remember seeing stuff that would be in the film and it would bring back memories. It's, it's nostalgic. Now, you know, here we are, um, you know, 20 years later, basically, and you mentioned, you know, a lot of being a, a lot of camaraderie, a lot of fun as a kid. What's it like then when you're turn around and you're, you're an adult actor and you're doing things a lot more serious themes and is it as much uh, like, can you have as much fun or is it, you know, a kind of a different kind of fun? Um, you know, you should be able to have as much fun. I feel like I feel like that's one of the child actor curses that everybody talks about. You know, they go, uh, well, I get that question a lot. How come you're not, you didn't turn out to be, you know, like somebody from like different strokes and you're, you know, you're uh, on drugs or, you know, and I feel like <laughs> the, I feel like the running theme there is because uh, you tell yourself when you're a child actor, okay, that was fun games. You got lucky. Now it's time to like, now it's time to be serious. Now it's time to like do it. And it's, you know, it's the same thing. It really, I mean, you definitely have to understand your, your product is different than when you were a kid and you have to, you know, you definitely have to focus more on craft as an adult than you did as a kid. Not anymore. You know, now you got stranger things that grow, uh, all the act, kid actors there are phenomenal, <laughs> but you know, like you definitely have to, you know, focus on different things, but I think taking away the fun from it is one of the biggest mistakes. And I think it's kind of, it's a downfall to a lot of, uh, a lot of, uh, former child actors. Is there any uh, any audition that you've been on or anything that maybe you just missed out on um, or or just didn't get that you really, really wanted that, uh, yeah, that you can recall? Yeah, for sure. As a kid or as, as, as an adult? Either. I, I, can, I can give you about 5,000. <laughs> which, which, as a kid? Uh, either or. Um, as a kid, I remember Hook was one big thing that I auditioned Ooh. for right before the Ducks. Love that one. I auditioned for Hook. I auditioned for one of the uh, Lost Boys and got pretty close from a. And it was before I got my agent. It was a. Um, it was a like a cow call. As you, everybody like hundreds of kids in the hallway, and I went in and I got pretty close for it. Um, went in for like two more callbacks, 
And a good friend of mine, actually, that I that I went to school with, Amber, she played um, Peter Pan's daughter in it. So it's pretty funny how close. And I ended up meeting the kids later. And they left. Some of the kids auditioned for heavyweights and did screen tests. So I ended up, you know, it was kind of like a similar kind of like crew of misfits that auditioned for it. But that was one thing when I was a kid. And then I did audition for Wolf of Wall Street. Um, and got to meet Martin Scorsese and, uh, and read with him, got very close to his character on that. Uh, and that was one I've always wanted to work with Scorsese. He's like my biggest idol. And I might have, I, I think I did great on the audition, but I think I could have done better. I think there was a part of me that just went like, I can't believe I'm sitting in front of Martin Scorsese right now, <laughs> like staring at those huge eyebrows going, this is actually happening. You know, and so I think that kind of, that kind of, it kind of threw it a little bit, but that was, that was a, great memory but also one one of those auditions i was like ah almost had it you know mm-hmm. you, know, you mentioned these these roles that you know you almost got can you tell us anything about uh the process for guardians of the galaxy part two and um how you got that and, and what your role is going to be are you allowed to talk at all about that yeah i'm not really allowed to talk about it like i, I they're trying to keep uh you know the character that I'm playing, uh, they're trying to keep it under wraps just so they, you know, people don't spill the beans mm-hmm. out for other things that are going on. So, but I can tell you, it was just a, it was a regular audition. I just went in uh, after I got to LA, went into the audition, got a callback, got another callback. Next thing you know, I get a phone call from an agent saying, "Hey, you're flying out to Georgia. You got a role." And then that was it. It was it was a fun fun time. It's, when you book a Marvel movie, it's always a it's always a happy moment. Mm-hmm. But character-wise, I cannot tell you, but it's coming out soon, and you guys will see. It's going to be great. Awesome. Were you were you a big comic book fan as a kid at all? No. <laughs> I, feel, I feel like I should have been. You know, I feel like I, you know, I was part of that, like, crew of, like, the little heavy kids, nerdy heavy kids who should have been. But I was, you know, by the time I was 10 years old, I was uh, – making movies you know 11 years old i was in movies so i i feel like i kind of i was i was a nerd about i've been a nerd about movies i've been a nerd about tv about movies about plays and i think i've had that kind of like theater nerd in me since i was a little kid but i never transferred it over to comic books kind of wish i did i kind of wish i knew you know i have a lot of friends who are into it and now it's like you know the bread and butter so kind of <laughs> wish i did do you you still sing la bamba on your auditions though right that gives you the one up <laughs> I, yeah, that's that's every audition. I they go. Um, I was like, "Do you need me to sing?" And they go, "No." And I was like, "Well, too bad." <laughs> I love that. No. <laughs> okay, Aaron. We do this thing called the Quack Question, where basically we send it out on Twitter and Facebook and all that kind of stuff, and say, and we ask the fans for their questions, and then we kind of pick the best one and answer it. So Kevin has the Quack Question for you. Okay. All right. Uh, this week's quack question, uh, specifically for Aaron, comes from Danny, who's at dreisner12 on Twitter. Uh, his question is, did Carp root for the team in the Goodwill Games, and did he suffer any long-term side effects from the concussion he got? Okay, Danny. Well, yes, of course he rooted. He rooted for the teams. But, you know, once in a while, he would root for Coach Bombay to get hit in the head of the puck instead of Because <laughs> he was... He was always a little angry. Um, and did he suffer long-term effects from the puck? Yeah, he still, he still can't count. He still has no <laughs> idea how to count. He put a finger up to his face. He could, still couldn't tell you. <laughs> I love it. 
I mean, <laughs> kind of going along that, just how, what were your feelings when you saw D2 come out and you were not involved and then D3 as well? Um, you know, I, it really, it, I mean, it bothered me, but it didn't really bother me. I, I mean, at the time when D2 came out, I was filming, uh, heavyweight. Mm-hmm. So I, I think if that didn't happen, maybe I'd be a little bitter, but I, you know, I already started doing that. Um, and, uh, D3, I think it's, you know, the, the, I understood exactly why I, you know, it was a running theme. They're going to throw a character that was in part one and they're going to bring it back. And, you know, I was definitely a, a recognizable character, but I wasn't somebody that everybody can go, Oh, thank God, Carp is back now. <laughs> you know, I don't think it was one of those things. So I told, even as a little kid, I understood why I wasn't in number three and I was just, just fine with it. You know, even, even Although, though if there's going to be another one, just tell them now. What's that? No, no, no. You, you were, you were going on D four confirmed. I yes. was ranting. Don't worry about it. I'll, <laughs> I'll yell at myself later by myself. Yeah. Um, even though you weren't in the second and third ones, do you still uh, you keep in touch with with some of the kids that you met on D one? Do you still have that relationship where you can kind of like pick it up if you don't talk for a couple of years and immediately kind of be back where you were with that friendship? Yeah, I definitely do. I mean, I I just saw. Uh, the kid who plays uh, the goalie, uh, Sean Weiss, mm-hmm. still friends with him. Dan Camborelli, who I did Pete and Pete with as well. He's still a great friend of mine. Uh, Jussie, I talk to once in a while. More through social media now, but uh, Jussie Small is still kind of in contact with. Um, I actually just saw uh, Josh Jackson at a, uh, a premiere last, uh, like two months ago, and it was it was the first time I've seen him in years, and he was astonished to see me, and that was one of those situations. And that's pretty much it. Yeah, Jordan Kerner I'm still uh, connected with. Um, trying to think who else. You know, Eldon, Eldon Henson, still in contact with. Marguerite Moreau, still in contact with her, plays Connie. So, yeah, there's definitely a handful of people that I'm still, uh, still in contact with. It was such a family. It was such a family that it was, it was a hard thing to just break. You know, everybody was so connected. Yeah, well, I mean, Josh Jackson, we would love to have him on the pod. So any any word you can throw out there? Yeah. Okay, you got it. <laughs> I'll, I'll, throw, I'll throw it out in the ether and see what comes back. <laughs> <laughs> awesome, awesome. Well, Aaron, this has been fantastic. Uh, well, awesome. Glad you, glad you guys had fun. I had some fun. All right, well, Aaron's on Twitter, at Aaron Schwartz 11. See him in Guardians of the Galaxy 2. Also in a short, When It Burns, just got into the L.A. Shorts Fest. Takes place September That's 1st right. through the 8th. Go to LAShortsFest.com for more info. Just kind of give people a little synopsis of what was going on in that. Yeah, so it's about, it's, 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 uh, it's, it's everybody's asking me if it's about a uh, sexually transmitted disease. I don't know if it's a family show, but. That was my first question. When it burns. And, and yes, <laughs> yeah, this is TVMA, like, well, if you will. When it burns, why don't you use some penicillin, you know? But no, it's actually about a, um. It's a, uh, it's a couple who are going through, uh, you know, they're not working together anymore. They, you know, they, the love that they had for each other has kind of dwindled and it gets to a point where it's emotionally and almost physically abusive. And it's, you know, do you hold on to the love that you think you still have or do you, you know, give in and go, this is over and all we're doing is causing each other harm. It's a, it's a, a feel good comedy. Um, <laughs> No, it's one of those, you know, one of those, you know, love lost movies, and it's great. Maria Sten is the writer, director, producer of it, and she she knocked it out of the park, and it's, you know, it's getting a lot of recognition, and uh, let's hope we uh, win some more awards. 
Yeah. So, like I said, LA Shorts uh, Film Fest. Uh, anything, anywhere else people should go to kind of get in contact with you or anything like that? Yeah, I mean, you can check me out on Instagram as well, as well Aaron Schwartz 11. Uh, Facebook, I'm on there, just Aaron Schwartz. You can go either to my uh, fan page or my regular personal page. I still have a personal page, and you can contact me on that. Uh, you can also contact Bohemia Management Group. That's my uh, management group, and uh, that's pretty much it. Yeah. Awesome, awesome. All, all of the above. For us, thequackdeck.com, uh, go to the shop. New shirts are out, the Cake Eater shirts. They look great. Uh, Facebook.com slash quackdeck. Oh, I saw those. Yeah, they're pretty good, aren't they? Awesome. There you go. <laughs> awesome. That's, that's an endorsement right yeah, there. Yeah, <laughs> endorsed by Aaron Schwartz himself. Uh, <laughs> go to now iTunes. you got to send me like a lifetime supply, right? Yeah, yeah, well, sure. Why not? In exchange for um, legal tender, yes. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh, okay. All right. Uh, iTunes, go there. Give us five stars. Tell us your favorite part of Aaron Schwartz's acting career. And remember, ducks fly together. Ducks fly together. Quack quack. <laughs>